What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are doing a Super 7 playlist episode on Los Angeles punk and hardcore. Also, tomorrow we're going to release the uh, the pre-order information for the new Retaliate LP that is coming out on December 4th on Indecision Records, so check that out. Make sure you follow 185 Miles South on Instagram or uh, all the other social media stuff. It'll be there. Please support the pod. By uh, subscribing to it is the easiest way. So you get it every week. You don't forget about it, you know, and tell your friends and your family and uh, whoever else you know that may be interested. Also, if you have the time, please give it just a like, you know, and review it. That shit goes a long way. It is much appreciated. If you want to go the extra mile, please go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south. And you can become a monthly Patreon and help out the pod. Uh, $1 gets behind the payroll. The, the, the $1 gets you behind the paywall. But uh, if you can kick in more, that is awesome. And uh, I'm trying to do special Patreon episodes for basically any time we have an interview. I'll get a couple of buddies together. We talk about the interview. I curate a playlist. And uh, we talk about that stuff. So it's pretty rad. And let's get on with the pod. Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are doing a Los Angeles punk and hardcore super seven. Help me out. You know him. You love him. He's episode one. He's the legend, Joe Rivas. What's up, Joe? Hello. Hi, what's happening? Also on the pod, you know him. You fucking love him too. It is Daniel Sant of Over My Dead Body. What's up, Daniel? What's going on? And do it. You know him. He's the only guy that's gotten shouted out by Chuck D on social media. He's turning over a new leaf. It's Ben Edge, aka Bedge. What's up, Bedge? What up? How's it going? All right, now. We did the draw already. Daniel, can you say the order, please? Yeah, let me pull it back up. Okay. And just um, for anyone that I hasn't don't. listened to this before, this is we're building out seven-song playlists, um, and we go in order, and once a song is chosen, it cannot be chosen again, although a different song by the same band can be chosen. And go ahead, Daniel. So the order is me, then you, then Bedge, then Joe. All right. So, Daniel, again. let's kick it off. Not what, curse. Yep. Okay, Daniel, let's kick it off. What is your first pick? Los Angeles Punk and Hardcore. Nervous Breakdown, Black Flag. Woo! With Keith singing. All right. Seven-inch version. Yep. Um, I mean, I, all I need to do is just say it. I don't need to justify it because... You know it. You love it. It's like episode one. <laughs> it's just classic <laughs> material. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, an incredible song. It's it's an awesome expression of frustration. You know, 
there's that um i can't remember what documentary it's on but where keith is explaining like what it's like to go to a show like your boss has been giving you shit all week and your friends have and blah 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 and then you want to go like hit your brains out <laughs> it's uh well slam back then is what they what they were saying but um it is such a really good representation of like the world being like crushing you down and you just feeling like, I mean, it, expo- it explains how we all feel in 2020. Very, very close to all having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. You know? uh, it's perfect pick. It's a, it's a pick that should have gone first. It's like justified of that. So yeah. yeah. It, yep. if, if any one of us had been, pick one other than me, I bet you the same song probably will still have been picked. Yeah. Joe, anything you want to add on this one? Uh, it's brutal and started the wave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's 1979. At least, at least, yeah. The the West coast version of it, should should I say, you know, there were, there were other bands that existed already, but they, this that especially the the, the nervous the whole EP the, the the seven inch you know just catapulted what was going to happen for the next you know uh, here we are still talking about yeah so goes from punk to hardcore in this song <laughs> you know what I mean Bedge what do you have on totally. this SST number one man I mean it's it's uh. It's awesome. I mean, the story behind it is that Greg Ginn wanted Bomp Records to put it out, and they were like, oh, what is this? And and so, since no one could put it out, he started his own record label. And it's like, that's, that's kind of the story of, a, of how a lot of record labels form. You know, no one wanted to put out Bad Religion Records, so they so Epitaph Records is, is started, and it's on down the line. And, and, and I just, I used to know this guy, Brendan Mullen. He died about 11 years ago but he's the guy who wrote the story of he wrote this great oral history called we got the neutron bomb the untold story of la punk he mm-hmm. co-wrote it and, and he said that that when he first he was at a party and one of the guys in black flight came to the party and it was in hollywood and you know these guys are outsiders they're like hermosa beach guys and he bring and i don't know if it was greg but he brings the seven inch and there's a record player at this house and bren and someone puts it on the record player and brennan mullen it, just can't believe his ears and he just play he just stands in front of the record player and plays the record over and over and over again while this party is happening behind him and he's just like i can't believe how good this is how could this exist and i didn't know about it until now and it's like you know it it it, it deserves all the all the all the credit it gets to this day do you think he even flipped the record because like that first side is just yeah, I think- there was breakdown it's like i could listen to it a million fucking times and I love that, like that they didn't even out the songs. It's like this is a single, but then because you're a band, like you want to get as much material on it as you can. So then it's like let's pack yeah. side B with more songs, you know? It's like they didn't do the traditional yeah. forty-five of like one song, one song, but like they made it a note, like this is a fucking single, you know? Yeah, when you're putting it out yourself, you're like, here, yeah, get as much of us as you can, you know? Right. All right. And haven't we all felt like the guy on the cover of that record? Although I think his butt is drawn a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm my sure, butt's a little strange. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> touch on this band plenty more on the pod. Uh, so I got the number two pick. 
Now, it's funny that Bomp got brought up because I'm choosing a band that did a record on Bomp, but I'm going the Danger House 7-inch, and I am going the Weirdos. We got the Neutron Bomb. And God damn it. What the <laughs> fuck? You had to take it first. There's two fucking songs. And like, I know. I, I was kind of hoping that you would choose first so you could choose for me because I might like Solitary Confinement even more, to be honest with you. But like, this is like the age old punk question. Like, what side do you like? Do you like We Got the Neutron Bomb or do you like Solitary Confinement more? And there's no fucking wrong answer, you know. But I thought it was going first. I won the lottery. I'm taking We Got the Neutron Bomb. This song, when it comes in, <laughs> you're fucking fired up. Duh, duh, duh. It's like every part of this song building up just makes you more fucking psyched, like all the way through it. It is a perfect fucking punk rock song. Um, if you haven't heard it, dig it out. It's it's It'll be in the playlist for the episode. Um, and it's absolutely perfect. That's all I can say about it. Badge, what do you have on this? Totally agree. 100% perfect song. It sounds huge. And it's like one of the great um, kind of like coulda, shoulda, woulda moments in punk was like, if only Inside Out had recorded an album instead of an EP so we could have gotten all their songs. And it's like, if only the weirdos had recorded a, a full length album in 1978, like during this session, like if only we could have gotten like eight or nine or 10 more songs that were this good, that sounded this good as, as the ace, you know, we got the neutron bomb and solitary confinement. This is, I, my dad's friend made me a cassette of mostly LA punk when I was getting into punk in the late eighties. And this was, this song was on it. And it's just like, you know, the, 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 the earliest stuff you like is always going to stick with you the longest and kind of doesn't matter. If I heard this song today, I'd probably, it would probably blow me away. So, but yeah. it has that added value of being something I heard when I was in like whatever, fourth or fifth grade. Right. And it's, it's, I'm glad that you brought up the recording since I didn't, because you're right. It just sounds fucking huge. Like, for 1978 to get like this sound is fucking amazing. Like it's so full and like unfuckwithable. Like, I don't know, like you couldn't do it better today. It's fucking perfect. And like, there aren't a lot of things you can like put that label on. And it's got that nihilistic sense of humor that is, you know, runs throughout LA punk, which other scenes, never really had this in the same way, you know? Yeah, we got the neutron bomb. We can kill everyone and leave buildings standing. Obviously they're being, you know, sarcastic, but right. that was a real thing. Yeah. And it's kind of wild. Like, you know, that outlook, like in the Carter years, like it's only going to get worse, dude. Right. You know, everything <laughs> totally. you feared is going to happen. Just wait for the fucking 80 election. Uh, Daniel, you got anything on this? Or are we going to wait until you pick solitary mm-hmm. confinement? If it's open. <laughs> um, I, I mean, this is the one out of the two I would have chosen. Um, and I, I just love the San Clemente light artwork and I don't know, just, it was in the, like, in the height of the Cold War, in the height of like, you know, Red Scare and Nuclear Fear, as well as turning it on ourselves. Do you know what I mean? I, I think it's a clever, catchy, sing-along punk masterpiece. Yeah, Joe, you have anything on this? Uh, just stoked that, you know, Cliff is still playing, you know, playing music with Tony now, with, you know, 
Ill Repute yeah. Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so. should say he's in uh, a band with Tony Cortez of Ill Repute called The Robot Uprising, which is awesome. You should check out their song on the Nardcore for Life compilation. Go to indecisionrecords.com right now and order that second press. It's the split. It's Cardinal and Gold, Oxnard High School Football Rules. What's up? All right, let's go to uh, <laughs> number three pick, Ben Edge. Oh, uh, here's my dog barking. Great. If, um, if the dog barks anymore, then you're losing your third spot, and we're bumping up Joe so you yeah. can go on mute. Yeah. Uh, All right, Rupi, shut one, up. One more bark, and we go. <laughs> one more bark, and the spot's Black lost. Black flag revenge. Black flag revenge. Black okay. flag revenge. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> All right. Go on. Now, think about think about this. So, you know, Nervous Breakdown is recorded in 78, comes out in 79. This is Black Flag's follow-up. Different drummer, different singer, totally different sound. You have you have um, Greg Ginn starting to do the lead, doing the weird, you know, guitar lead things that he's known for, and you have Robo on drums, and he's he's doing um, you know these kind of weird beats. Um, dude, shut up! But that you know, I, I always tell people if he doesn't agree with the pick. Yeah, he's, he's pissed. He wants me to pick a, a Blink-182, but they're San Diego, so they're not. Um, <laughs> I, I always tell people if if, if uh, I had only one song in which to illustrate what hardcore music is, this is the song. It's like, this is hardcore. This is the platonic ideal. This is the center of the target. It's like the most vengeful, angry song ever written. It's anti-cop. There's that great speech that... Uh, Ron Reyes does in the decline of Western civilization before they play this song about, you know, this goes out to the LAPD. They arrested us for playing punk rock music. And um, I remember distinctly remember breaking my bed, pretending to stage dive to this record. You know, I think that's what I'm not the only one who's done that. Right. <laughs> I mean, jump on your bed, like as if you were stage diving. No, not at all. I think okay. back in the webcam days, Zach and I had discussed it back in the day, right? AOL, AOL style. But this is the, this is the one that actually broke the bed. That's, um, that's a weak ass. That's a weak ass bed. You were like ninety five pounds, dude. Uh, <laughs> oh, at most, I was a little kid. Um, but uh, my friend Josh Landau ended up with uh, Greg Ginn's. Um, he used to play through a PV head. Um, it was like a, a like a PA, but he played guitar through this PA, and that's the sound you hear on all the Black Flag records. I think starting with this one, and somehow Josh ended up with this, like the actual thing. I mean, it belongs in a museum. And uh, I went to his house and I played Revenge through it on one of his guitars while he played drums along, and it sounded exactly like Black Flag. You know, sounded like this, even though I wasn't playing through like like a clear Dan Armstrong guitar. It absolutely sounded like the Jealous Again EP, and it was like, oh my god, I've been teleported back to 1980 and whatever. Speaking of uh, California and museums, did you know that you can go see the bear from a flag? It's like in the basement of some museum in San Francisco. From the California flag? Yeah, like it's preserved. You should Google it, dude. It was, it's very it's a, interesting. It's a drawing, though. But isn't it a drawing? It's based off an yeah. It's based off an actual uh, bear, though. Oh, uh, like a single bear, uh, like, uh, like you know, like 
an artist like paint something like, yeah, it's a painting, but it's also a painting of a dude, you know, anyway, black flag rips. And this is the best record. Joe, what do you got on this? Yep. It's 58 seconds long. <laughs> one second for every pound bedge was when he broke his bed Daniel what, what do you got on this what's that oh, w- compare this to uh, the song that you chose I mean they're both ripping I I, I, I can't even uh, I mean Nervous Breakdown's better but uh, <laughs> debatable debatable I mean it's just anger like set to music and and it's fantastic yeah yeah again i i'd slap the perfect label on this uh let's go to the nard curse spot number four the legend episode <laughs> one joe Rivas. all right so um you know i'm i'm just gonna do it this way um i'm gonna take uh did you want to die from youth mccade off sound and fury yeah that song, we we first heard it. So when I say we, I mean John John Winstead and myself, you know, Burning Dog guys. Um, in the uh, in the Bones Brigade one video, because we were skaters and we got that video like the week it came out, and there's these songs in there, and we were just you know starting to dip our toes into that punk thing. What what the, trying to figure out what what that what that meant. Um, we just fell in love with that song, man. It's so good. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's super clever. Um, uh, the musicianship of, of those three brothers is, you know, is hard to match, especially for, for punk back then. Um, and Sean's voice is just fucking beautiful. So, um, yeah. That's that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, and, and this is a, this go is, on and on. This is a song that uh, is on the current version that you can buy. Like when they re-recorded this LP and they cut some of the other songs and put this out, so I didn't have to be cute and say, "Is it the version that was recorded at Mystic or is it the other version?" Because uh, this was only on the second version of Sound and Fury, and mm-hmm. it's sick. Um, ben, yep. what do you have on this? I, I remember that, that skate video too. That was Steve Caballero doing a contest at uh, Del Mar, I think, um, to the, eh, maybe, well, I don't know where, but. Miguel yeah. and, and Cab. Oh, my, it is Miguel my, and Cab. Yeah, both of them are, are, are in the session, yeah. Yeah, this, this song is great. A Youth Brigade is, uh, God, I actually don't have a preference between the two albums, between the, the re-recorded album and the original version. I mean, I know this song is only on the second version, but like, that's a good age old question about, you know, what do you prefer DC youth brigade or LA youth brigade or sound and fury version one or sound and fury theory version two LA version but, two uh, LA, no preference. Yes. LA definitely. Although my favorite song by either band is sick of, is about time that we, it's about time that we had a change by the DC Youth Brigade. But by far, the LA Youth Brigade is the better band. Yeah, you know, there's actually a sick bootleg that took uh, the songs from the first uh, session that didn't make it on the second one and just made a seven inch out of it. So it's pretty rad. It's, yeah. a, it's a cool bootleg. Yeah. Uh, does anyone? Have- yeah, I know who did that. 
Oh, sick! Does anyone have the? Uh, <laughs> does anyone have the first version on LP? No, not no. on LP. I d- I just have a bootleg of it. I don't have an original. Um, but yeah, sick pick. Stoked to get you the brigade in round one. And Daniel, do you have any anything on this, or should we shoot it back to you for your second pick? Um, well, the one thing I will say about Youth Brigade is I loved that we got a document of how much they thought about punk and hardcore, like how much it was like a vehicle of art as well as a vehicle of, uh, you know, aggression and passion. It was um, really well thought thought about. And, they, and I love that they're just a triple threat, like all in the same family, all in the same band, you know? Yeah, I would say that another state of mind, it was as as inspiring to me when I saw it in the 90s when I was getting into punk as it could have ever been. So like, oh yeah. That's I and I hope that people still discover that movie and feel the same way. Um so if you if anyone listening to this has not seen the documentary Another State of Mind, you need to look it up and and watch it and shoot me an email and let me know how you feel about it because it is one of the greatest uh, documentaries, not just of this genre, but like, I guess for people that love this genre, like it just really resonates and hits home. And it, it's just everything good about punk. It is so rad and like all encompassing. And, you know, with a lot of the interviews of older dudes I've had on the pod, like you'll notice that, you know, while they might've sonically liked a lot of the late seventies bands, what they really connect with is like, that DIY ethic and like the people doing themselves and like, you know, uh, I think it was, well, it was whoever mentioned it that, uh, you know, SST one, like this black flag putting on their own records. This is like yep. three, a putting on their own records, this bad religion, putting on their own records This you know, minor threat, putting on their own records. Like that shit is so fucking inspiring. And like, you know, that punk ethos can like run through your life and like, improve your life, make you a better person. It's something that like you can take out of this genre that makes it so tangible and awesome. And, uh, that documentary is fucking amazing. Daniel, let's go to your number two. Okay. I've got a lot of great stuff still in play, but I'm going to take this before somebody else does, because this is the song that I want by this band more than, any other song by this band, and I wouldn't be happy if I didn't have this one. So I am going to take Bike Age by Descendants. You motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would be bummed to have to settle for a different Descendants tune compared to this one, because this is so much head and shoulders above all the other songs uh, for the melody, for the seriousness of the lyrics, for beautiful way that the song starts i mean it's it's a masterpiece it is an absolute masterpiece of punk rock songwriting and that, that baseline dude yeah yeah the baseline incredible the the it's almost a jangly guitar you know um at the beginning and you know you know, I like lots of bands that have jangly guitars. Um, I, you know, such a serious topic that when you're a young, young kid hearing this for the first time and you're singing along to it and you're like, it just, for a second, you're like, whoa, you know, selling your body for another fix, like 
who's going to take you. you know. I remember um, that band you became uh, friendly with because uh, I see like played with them on tour a bunch. Uh, holding on, when they came to San Diego, they covered this, yeah. and I like I did the Wayne's World. We're not worthy afterwards to one of the guys in the band just like you guys killed that song and thank you so much for doing it like, they, they killed it was it. so great yeah they, yeah they did they did it so good because that band was like a really good band but they were pretty loose like in their delivery of like how they played hardcore yeah. but then like to do this song which like i don't know it just requires like a little bit of precision to do it properly and also like a lot of times when bands do covers, they speed it up too fast and it like really loses yeah. like the soul of the song. They fucking nailed it, dude. Like, oh, it they was nailed- so good. And I'm, I'd say there's about 60 or seven, maybe 65 people in the chain that night. I think 64 people were singing along. Like it was that unifying of like, even the people doing the door run inside to like participate. That's what the power of this song is, you know? Yeah. The only, the only Everyone girl not singing like, along, like had the merch money, you know, he's like, oh, I can't, yeah. I can't leave the stool. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm bummed. You got this yeah. one, dude. I'm really bummed. Cause this was, I wanted this really bad. I was going to take it next, but now I got this as my number one descendants, but I got three more. And uh, Bike yeah, Age was yeah. definitely number one. Everything else is tied for number two. So I'm taking this my number seven. Um, Joe, what do you have on Bike Age? Um, well, the descendants rule. And I don't think, especially, you know, from all back, like, you can't go wrong with any song. I mean, they all fucking rule. So um, but Bike Age is probably up there top two. It's not the one I chose, though, so. I'll still get mine unless you choose it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hold off. Cause <laughs> I, I, the next, I got three more, I got three in the fucking cannon and I'm okay with any of them. Ben, what do you got on this song? I, I suspected that it was the bass player who wrote the song because the bass line is so distinct. And I, I just looked it up and it's actually the drummer who wrote the song, Bill Stevenson, but it makes sense because apparently every song he wrote, he wrote on the bass. So there you go. Um, yeah, it's like one of the best Descendants songs. It's my, it's on my favorite Descendants album. Um, I guess this band, well, it makes sense that they didn't blow up right away because they broke up the minute this record came out because Milo went to college and then they get back together and then they get, you know, all their, all the, uh, accolades, the well-deserved accolades. But, um, you know, this is kind of like ground zero for proto pop punk. I suppose. And there's really no band in that genre who has done it nearly as good since I would argue. Not the mid tempo drivey version, you know, of like, well, you did mention blink one eighty two, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> not, not in the same ballpark. Um, <laughs> not in the same universe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but the documentary is really good though. Everyone who hasn't seen filmage, the doc, it's the documentary about the descendants and all. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah, it was really good. Um, my number two pick, this goes against my strategy because this is another band that I have four songs for. So I could have taken it wherever. And again, I have like a number <laughs> one and then three that were tied for number two. So I'm going to take it. 
just because I love it. And this song changed my fucking life. Uh, I'm going Bad Religion, Do What You Want. I, every, I've talked on the pod before. This is the game-changing album for me. It's the album that got me into punk. And this fucking song, when you discover it when you're like 13 years old, it's so short. It's so catchy. <laughs> it's like, you know, Bad Religion has lots of like big words that I still don't understand. But here's like one where you can understand it like very viscerally. And uh, dude, I just remember like listening to this song over and over and over and it was on cassette. And so like that is like an extra level of commitment because like when you want to listen to the song again, you got to rewind it and you like miss it. Like, oh, I got to go back further. Oh, I went back too far. Oh, like, you know, and like to listen to it over and over. It's not like CD or digital where it's like, boom, start it over. Boom, start it over. You know, and I, I swear to God, I probably listened to it 15 times in a row the first time I ever heard it. And it was the greatest thing I ever heard. It still is the greatest thing I've ever heard uh, to this day. So maybe strategically the wrong choice in this like exercise, but I had to fucking have it, dude. So Bad Religion, Do What You Want, Off the Album Suffer. That is my number two pick. Uh, Joe, what do you have on this? Yeah, Suffer, such a fantastic record. Uh, this is was this was my number two song, so um, so I still get my first, hopefully. Um, yeah, everything you said is is exactly what I think of when I hear this. It's just like that pissed off, fuck you. Uh, you know, I I got this myself, and it's inspiring to a kid that. To you know, because you're going through those times where you're you know you're distancing yourself and all that kind of stuff from your parents and you know authority in, in general, um, but in a but they do it in a smart way, you know, because you know his lyrics are always so um, well smart. We'll just use the same word. So yeah, Ben, what do you have on this? It's funny, not until recently have I been looking up to see who wrote the Bad Religion songs because it's pretty much 50-50 Greg Graffman and Brett Gerwitz. So I'm always curious to see you know, who did what. And this one, I just looked it up right now. Actually, can you guess, Zach, between those two guys, who, which one of them wrote this? Uh, there's pretty big words in the song. I'm going Greg. Brett. Brett wrote the song. Oh. Um, did he write the lyrics? Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah, when think Greg writes a song, he writes everything. When Brett writes a song, he writes everything. Yeah, yeah. I think it's usually how it works. Oh, that's interesting. Well, but, I uh, guess it makes sense because he's got the pretty honed-in chorus, right? So, yeah, well, he's, what did he say? Go to hell like Superman. Go to hell champion. with Superman. Yeah, yeah, so great. Yeah, hey. But yeah, <laughs> so good. Sick, Daniel. You got anything on this? Um, bad religion is just were the the standard bearers for what later became everything epitaph, everything fat records, because they fused melody, um, catchiness and uh a certain sound that instantly made everyone sit up and take notice. That's why there are so many copycat bands. You yeah, know? Yeah. Because it it captures your attention like unbelievably. Well, they mold all that and keep the speed, right? So it's all that yes. plus speed. Um, yeah, but, but I'm saying that's what 
the genre they birthed is because everyone's like, oh, this is still fucking punk as fuck. Right. But it is like a top 20 hit at the same time, you know? Yeah. And, and Joe, since you got the fourth pick, uh, we'll give you the smelly shout out. So go ahead. <laughs> well, I'll just take uh, it. Is then. it my pick? No, no I was going <laughs> to let you shout out to smelly, but I'll, I'll do it. Shout out smelly. All right. And shout out. <laughs> Shout out Noodles, because Noodles probably copies Bad Religion stuff, too. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's go to Bed probably. with his number two pick. My number two pick is Beverly Hills by the Circle Jerks. That's from their 1980 album, Group Sex, the first album. Beverly Hills. On Frontier. Century City. So good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, this is, this is one of those things where it's like there, there's two songs that are connected to each other that that are always connected to each other and it's i just want some skank going into beverly hills um and so beverly hills starts with this verse which is like a skank part you know it's got the and if you think about it this has got to be like the first like well i guess bad brains have a few songs with breakdowns in them but like kind of around the same time Circle Jerks are doing the skank part, and it becomes kind of a standard thing in American hardcore by at least the mid-80s or late-80s. You, you always got to have a slow part in a song. So I think it's kind of like when I hear Screaming at a Wall by Minor Threat and they do that slow part in the middle, I think to myself, are they doing Beverly Hills? Like, I don't know. I could if I If I'm in a punishing mood i could email ian mckay and ask him he probably responded to it. he'd probably be like i never thought about it maybe <laughs> but uh i remember i me and my friend in junior high loved the circle jerk so much we we opened up the white pages and looked up keith morris and called his home number <laughs> and he was so fucking cool he talked to us for like an hour over the phone we're like hi we're seventh grade we like your band and he'd be like, why aren't you out playing football? He actually said that. Why aren't you out playing football? What's so but, uh, I, and I've, I've since become friends with him, and he's like a great guy. But uh, it, another great thing about the song is that it's making fun of a, such a shitty um, city, which is Beverly Hills, just full of stupid rich people. And it's, there's nothing great good about Beverly Hills. So fuck it. <laughs> you know who's on the pod, Ben? You could have gotten away with taking both. We would have let you, but uh, I, I. Oh, I, yeah, but I didn't want. I didn't want to do what you do. I wanted to. I wanted to be a bigger man. You're blaming. You're blaming me a, for. You're blaming me for Daniel's moves. That's fucked. Oh, I thought that was you, Zach. I just sat <laughs> here quietly enjoying all of this with my popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Daniel does the, the does the two songs that connect and then picks them both. Yeah, you got. I do- did it with its clobbering time. Remember. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that was then like my the, pick is I just want some skank Beverly Hills. <laughs> that was like the fourth time. Nope, you got Beverly Hills, and that is a six second pick. I love this. It was <laughs> it was on my list. Uh, Joe, what do you have on this? Uh, you know, it's a fantastic song. It's you know, it it's great. Um, you know, it's the first full LP uh, after Keith left, and you know. Like, okay, what's he going to do? And then you, you get this and that's, you know, I can only imagine what that was like to hear this. Like, holy shit. Yeah. He still got it. Yeah. He, he brought the heat. He brought the heat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Daniel, you have any, anything on this or should we go to Joe? 
Oh, I just I've I've got a couple other choices, um, but this is the this is the song that you know when you think about L.A. hardcore, like actually name checking L.A. and it's the kind of thing that would be the the music over on a documentary like an L.A. in this time period was, and then it starts name checking the places, you know. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe, let's go to you for your number two. Number two. Um, I can't do the laugh, but suicide is an alternative. You'll be sorry. Suicidal tendencies is self-titled. We got to drop in the Greg laugh right there. You know, I had it isolated and then my, uh, my hard drive crashed. So shout out to Greg. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I remember you did, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So the song is, you know, or song. See, 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 Ben, I'm sticking too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I mean, you, you can't separate these songs cause it doesn't ever separate. There's no like pause in the music or anything. So, you know, um, it is just one song in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this a whole lot on the pod because of the laugh and because of just how, um, game changing this this sound was you know from from the the ludicrous speed you know it's not really a blast beat but it's close to it you know at the beginning and then it goes into the the uh sort of groove chunky thing at toward you know at the end of the song is that groove infectious yeah something like that <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> It's like when you, if you hit a punk related dad joke, sorry, it just tickles me. <laughs> yeah. This is, so. this is about as iconic as it gets, right? It, it, start, yeah. it starts a whole sound. It's like teases of what they, they become to it's. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's the opening track that, you know, just like, all right, here you go. You ready? Buckle in. Yeah. You ain't ready for one of the greatest American <laughs> hardcore LPs of all time, you know, so fucking good. Bedge, what do you have on this? Sick of life. It sucks. I love the call and response, the, the you know, the two oh, guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The lyrics off each other. I'm a sucker for that. Like we did talk about that with course of disapproval doing yeah. that. And yeah. I may or may not have a future pick on this very episode that does that same thing. Um, but I think of this album as, kind of the the tail end of the 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 glorious you know 1977 to 1983 run that LA had um where at any given time there're like 30 or so A level bands all operating simultaneously in LA county which is just like it's hard to imagine because you know I was a little kid when this was I missed it but but this is like it's like the only suicidal album I like, I know you're going to hate me for that because you love later suicidal tendencies, but it's like, it has kind of like the metal shredding guitar, but it's still pure hardcore punk. And, and then I think that the scale kind of tips further into metal later on, but like this, this combination of just like being enraged with the shredding guitar and the, the, and the tempo changes, there's, there's kind of nothing like it. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head that kind of hits all those things like this album does. There is absolutely nothing like it ever again. It's like, you know, I, I'm not trying to compare this, but 
a lot of a lot of the things I talk about on the pod, like, oh, I love this one album because there's nothing that ever sounded like like it before or after. I mean, it's the reason why I love that powerhouse record that I love that I talk about so much on the pod. Like, it is just like a moment in time of just fucking chaos that like is never replicated. And like this thing is it's like the original blueprint of that. Like, okay, let me create this perfect fucking crazy LP that like just no one can ever do again, like including them. Right. You know, it's like yep, yep, kind, right. of, kind of in a way like, you know, uh, Ben, you'll probably hate this, but like the first Hatebreed record, you know, it's like they created the greatest album of all time for the sound once and never did it again. Like they could never do it again. Like, those that type of music in those like truncated short songs, like where it's like you're hitting this fucking shit and pulling it off in like a minute and a half song, like no one ever did it again. You know, the the closest was like terror, you know? Um But yeah, this LP is fucking perfect. And this is great because you know choosing like the first song off a record sometimes it's like you almost get credit for the whole record because when this song comes in, like you get the feeling of knowing like the ride that you're going to go on by like listening to this whole thing. And this album is a fucking journey. You know, it's got a few right, songs that you, are like yeah. really long, you know, it's like, I'm gearing up for the whole thing. It's got the short blast. It's got like the long ass songs. It's got it all, you know? Um, and I won't go too much more into it. Cause I'm assuming there'll be another pick or two, but, uh, Yeah. Joe, did you want to finish on this before I shoot it back to Daniel? No. No. Okay. Daniel, Daniel, what's your number three pick? It's all about strategy, isn't it? Like, I've got so many choices on here, but I don't want an L.A. hardcore and punk list without this song on it. So I'm going Lexicon Devil. Yeah. Which version? Uh, oh, um, from the from the LP, LP version. All right, yeah, yeah. Just because that that's what I've played almost all my life, you know. Um, I I feel like Darby Crash and Sid Vicious to a you know to an extent uh, on the same level, but Darby Crash gets a lot less credit for being an actual brainy person. Because, you know, they're washed up, like, self-damaging personas are out there. But lyrically, dude is fucking up there. Like, I know it's very straightforward hardcore, but lyrically, these are really clever lyrics. And this song in particular. uh, And then add the sheer ferocity of the song and the catchiness at the same time. I mean, it's it's a brilliant song, and it's so in the fabric of what you all know from punk and hardcore now that it almost warrants me requesting everyone listening to this to go back and just listen to the song as it is without knowing, oh, I know that German song. Like, actually just listen to it like you're listening to it for the first time. It's a it's a fucking 360 degree dunking banger. What do you guys think? Yeah. Well, respect on going 79 instead of 78 going for the newer version. Um, 
And I just want to add, so Daniel, you always talk about like layouts and shit, and this is just fucking iconic album cover, right? So simple, so iconic. And it's like, I don't know when you, when you knock something that like simple out of the park, it's like, no one can touch it again. It's like, that's the germs record. You see that circle? Like you think of it. I remember my friend in, uh, High school, Phil Tibbs, he had this outspoken shirt that had like a big O on it. And he used to like yeah. get really mad at me when I'd be like, sick germ shirt, dude. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah. Uh, ben, let's go to you on this. Or or should we wait yeah. until you pick a song? Well, no. Let's, uh, let's I can talk it. about this song. Go. Go ahead. <laughs> I love the germs. They're one of my favorite bands ever. And they're kind of like, when I think about, you know, you always like Zach, you can, and well, you can all relate to this. Like what you think about your hometown and like, what's, what is like the band for your hometown? Who's, who's your, you know, who's, who's the quarterback of of your, of your home team. And like the germs for me are like the LA band. Burning dog, motherfucker, burning dog. What's up? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but Darby Crash, Darby Crash, it's true. He he uh, apparently he wrote lyrics with the aid of a thesaurus, but so what? <laughs> like everyone has access yeah, to a thesaurus, and like, everyone has done that. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, knock yourself out try, because try you don't want to be it, the the majority of people are using a thesaurus, so they don't just repeat the same words over and over again. Heaven you forbid know? someone I'm, opens a fucking book. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the the first line of this song, I'm a lexicon devil with a battered brain, and I'm looking for a future. The world's my aim. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the, the, uh, the um, I guess, well, the verses and courses are reversed, but I love the, I want toy tin soldiers that can push and shove. I want gun boy rovers that'll wreck this club. I'll yeah. build you up. I'll build you up and level your heads. We'll run it my way. Old man in politics dead. It's like, He's yeah. telling you, wreck this club. He's like the original Scott Vogel, like, wreck this club. <laughs> yeah. Like the part. When you trace the but, origin of a Vogelism, it goes back to the germs <laughs> in 1978 off the single. I wonder if Vogel would consider germs punk or hardcore. I bet he'd put him in the punk category. Punk. Yeah, and that's, that's, here, that's something I wanted to touch on, is that... This oh, is hard- hardcore. Hard, well, hardcore is born out of LA and Orange County right around this time, right around like 78 or so. And yeah. like, the thing is, you have so many bands that are in that gray area where it's like, are they hardcore? Or are they punk? And no two people have the same opinion. Yeah. Like, if you go down the list of the bags, hardcore punk, this, the germs, this, that, black flag for single, like, the screen. Every, yeah. Everyone has like a different, like, Point, like breaking point where it's like okay this is hardcore this isn't punk anymore or this isn't just regular punk anymore and it's like i feel like that like it's it's almost like damaging to the legacy of la that you have all these bands in that gray area because then like look, who are we kidding by the mid 80s up until now new york like controls the narrative of hardcore music for better or worse and it's like there's so much more of a distinction between like the ramones and agnostic front yeah, it's like yeah. that's a whole generation gap. Like, whereas in LA, it's like really just a seamless transition from punk to hardcore. And it's like, 
respect the germs. Like they never toured the East Coast. I'm sure that hurt their legacy to some degree. But like, this is the first hardcore album ever. Well, this it, is the first full length. That's hardcore music. In 1994, on Hardway Records, Bulldoze "Remember Who's Strong" comes out, and no one can argue that it's not a hardcore record. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> Perfect point to make in the middle of the LA hardcore discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the pick. And I love, cause I thought I was going to get burned twice because when Ben took Beverly Hills, I was like, "Welp, I wanted that one or I want this one. I'm going red tape. This is the craziest blast of fucking energy for being so like young in the genre. And, um, you know, I've talked on the pod before that the catalyst of this podcast was listening to turned out a punk with Damien, Damien. And, uh, he, he had Jerry a on a couple times and they poison, he credited poison idea, like solely traced back to a single song. He's like, we wanted to do a band that sounded like red tape. And so this song is not only epic by itself, but it birthed maybe the greatest punk band of all time, Poison Idea. My number three pick is Circle Jerks Red Tape off the Group Sex record, and that's what's up. Ben, what do you think about this? And would it have been your number two pick if you were choosing two Circle Jerks songs? Uh, I think Wild in the Streets, which is a cover, actually a cover song, would have been my second Circle Jerks pick. But yeah, Red Tape's amazing, and if you want to know what I think of it, go back to... Uh, the episode where we do the build a band, um, whatever number that is on 185 miles South. Cause I talk about this song, so I'm not going to repeat myself. If you want to know what I think about it? Go back and listen to the build a band. Oh, he's, he's just providing links. I like that. And as, right. as, an, as another, Seamless. as another teaser to that pod, which member did Joe start a rumor about having a heroin? Habit? <laughs> God damn it. I knew he was going to Anyone else got anything on red, anything anything on red tape, or do we go to Ben? An unjust uh, rumor is all I'm going to say. Yes. <laughs> yes. Shout out, Lucky. Um, okay, Ben, let's go to your uh, third pick. I'm going with uh, Descendants, Clean Sheets, the version on the Liveage album from 1987. Um, and the reason I'm going for the live version is because it appears on a sampler, a cassette sampler that SST put out uh, that year, which I had, and I listened to this song so much, I wore the tape out and broke the tape. And it's the only song on this album I listened to, uh, on this cassette that I listened to. And, and, and I looked it up on Discogs today, and the name of the cassette sampler is SST Godhead store dude in store play device number four. <laughs> I guess the idea is send this to a, to record stores and then the record stores play the play it and get people hyped on SST shit. But um, the clean sheets is like you know it appears on the album uh, All, which came out that year, and this is just before the band transitions into being the band All. And it's crazy that like my two favorite Descendant songs. Of course, I'm alone on this one are Clean Sheets and Coolidge, which are both on this album. And think about like how often does a punk band or a hardcore band put out bangers four albums into their career? You know, usually they run it 
usually you break up by album too. And if you even make it to album four, you're running out of steam. So it's, it's pretty awesome that they're able to make uh, great music this, this late. Um, but uh, you know, it's like that. It's like kind of like a, you broke my heart kind of a song. Um, and it's on one of the few live albums worth owning in, in punk. There's not that many punk or hardcore live albums that are really good. Would you guys agree with that? Uh, it doesn't capture what a live show is often. So that's why it, it's, they're never as good because you know what the live show is usually. And if it's the crowd participation and all of that, and a lot of punk and uh, hardcore live records don't really capture that well. So it's always a letdown regardless of how good the performance is on the live record. Do you know what I mean? Well, I yeah, would, I would say that the intense energy seven inch was pretty rad, uh, especially, yeah. especially that song by Overminded body called over my degree um but yeah you're right i i think that the the those live nemesis seven inches are fucking epic kind of because like you know it's it's rad to like look back at old flyers i think that's something that we all enjoy you're like oh fuck like what if i saw that show or what if i saw that show and like so in that aspect like it's pretty rad to like do a seven inch on a specific show and i think he did three of them um so like I would include that as like great hardcore live stuff. The, Just the, um, go ahead. Sick of it all, life in a world full of hate is really good. Yes, that's a really really good one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, live in the dive is pretty good too. Yeah, which one? Aren't there a bunch? The li- the sick of it all, live in the dive. Oh, uh, okay. At the bottom of the hill in San Francisco. Yeah. Cool. Well, but, yeah. I mean, sick of it all, live is sick. So like they're a band <laughs> that can pull it off, you know? Yeah, true. Um, it's, it's it's interesting you chose, you know, the, the live version too. But isn't it weird that they have two back to back live records? You know, eighty seven and eighty eight, The Descendants. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me think that uh, Greg Ginn was kind of trying to milk it because the band had broken up. But I don't know. That's just speculation. I don't know exactly why that happened, but it's cool. Like they're both good and, and they don't, and there are no duplicates. The The second one doesn't have any of the same songs. The first one has, I think I'm pretty sure. That's what you come to the See, pod for, for facts that may or may not be true. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that drives that nut. No, there's, there's, there's songs on. Oh, so it's like, no, the, the part of driving that nuts is when, uh, w- it's a dubious fact that's put out there. And then like maybe three hours after we're done recording the pod, there'll be a text saying, Oh, by the way, this is the actual fact. <laughs> yeah. So listen, so listeners, let me tell you about the text messages for this, this particular <laughs> pod with these four guys, the four of us ridiculous. Let me just tell you that. Okay. Yeah. I, it, yeah. I believe Daniel, I think Daniel, right, Daniel, Daniel almost quit. <laughs> <laughs> So this is hard. It's hard I put it doing snooze. Yeah, it's hard I, doing. I, any I couldn't of the, take it anymore. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> doing like scene specific because it's like, is this band L.A. or Orange County? Are they I.E. Oh, should we include stuff from like uh, Magic Mountain area? Like, what's Simi Valley? You know, like it's it's pretty 
pretty weird, but I think that like there's so many tentpole bands that like you just associate yeah. with being Los Angeles punk and hardcore. It's like we're gonna hone it in. Like, look, I'm not gonna get cute and choose Infest, even though they'd make my top seven. But I don't know. Like, do you think Infest when you think LA hardcore? Probably not. You know, even though like if they were included, they'd be in my top seven. So that's that. Yeah, you just think the kings of power violence. Like you don't even. I know you. You consider them California, but you don't necessarily dial them into a very, very specific location. You know, in my mind, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's go to Joe for his number three. Number three. Oh, cool. Uh, let me get my list back up here. Uh, I am going with. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Bad Religion. Uh, give you nothing off the of suffer. Yeah. I think that, you know, you already chose a song off Suffer, Zach, but I think any song off the record would probably be a, a good choice, you know, because um, I know them all by heart, and I'm sure you do as well, you know, yep. because we've, we've played it in a gajillion times. So, you know, I, I think they've all kind of filtered into this is just the best, so. But this song in particular gives you, um, you know, some fast bad religion and then the slow breakdown stuff, which is gives you like a, a different insight into where they're going. Um, so, you know, maybe not for another two or three records. Uh, really slow down that much. But, you know, I don't know. It's cool. But, you know, interesting lyrics and, um, you know, uh, it just keeps you. Um, it, it just grabs you. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, when, when that you know the, in the, uh, the the pop on the drum and the way it starts and like you know just everything about it's cool. And yeah, sixteen year old me thought it was the best fucking thing ever. Yeah, I mean, came out. You so. you say that they they slow down later, but I would say that like by no control they start doing like kind of a slow song every record and maybe so they start feeling good settling into like that like the oh not every song has to be a blast like you know because yeah, like yeah, yeah. like for instance sanity on like the on no mm-hmm. control you know and then there there's slower songs also on against the grain even though their their sound isn't changing they're still like doing the blasting speed of like melody but like they do settle into that style and they're like oh we can do this too and it feels good you know, and maybe this yeah. is like one of the impetus of that. And it's clever. So, right. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great pick. I, I had two off Suffer and two off uh, Against the Green if I had to choose. So, yeah. And we touched on Suffer. So, let's go back to Daniel, your number four pick. Okay. More, more um, strategy. I love living in the city by fear. Yeah. I mean, this could, it sounds like it could be from the UK. (laughs) You know, it's got that UK like punk and almost like what went on to be boy. Um, And it's so tuneful, but it's so, 
oh, it's so fucking cool. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's chock full of shit and puke. <laughs> like, it's very descriptive. It's super cool. It's, it's um, probably not, maybe not 2020 appropriate in certain places, but, you know, it's just describing, like, the urban existence of a punk, like, at the time, you know, squats, whatnot. Um, and it is just, it's a, it's an absolute perfect pop song set to a very harder tone. Do you know what I mean? He's okay. very tuneful on the chorus, but he's very aggressive on the verses. Uh, I, I don't know. I really love it. I, I absolutely, I, I really, I love this song. This is by far my, favorite fear song um and you know i i just think about the fnl times and all all of it just like how fucking great like this era um of course when we watched um even though i've watched it a million times but when we watched uh the decline for the when we talked about punk movies um and we went over the uh, the fear footage like it steals the show by a billion miles over everything else on on there. Well, the black flag as well, but the fear footage and the actual show and how they were just basically um, agitating the crowd into <laughs> um, really going nuts for them is super cool and. I mean, how old is Lee Ving right now <laughs> and still out there doing these songs, you know? Yeah, he had, like, total command over the stage. Like, he was, like, a dude. You know, like, he's yeah. playing, like, punk, but it's, like, he could have fucking been in Kiss, like, playing a fucking arena with, like, that swag, you know? Yeah, or Elvis or whatever, you know? Like, right. I want to say, like, the note that he hits on, people puking everywhere, is, like, maybe, yeah. Yeah. maybe the greatest, like, vocal performance until uh, Danzig won. And uh, <laughs> the other thing is like, I I love that you brought up like that, the live shit from the, sh- the Saturday night live. Cause like part of what makes me love that so much is like, you have so many of these like iconic, like hardcore dudes that want to go and fucking rage to a band that like, we're not debating is this punk or hardcore, right? Like, this is just a yeah. classic ass punk band. And it's so rad that like these iconic hardcore dudes just want to go slam to some punk, you know? And like, there's maybe too much separation of that now, you know, that like there's hardcore and then there's punk. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what band, like what punk band would like every, you know, like hardcore icon of the scene would like want to go and like slam to, you know, like, and so that's just, it's a nice moment of time to think about like there was a time that everyone just loved fear, you know, like a band like this, like everyone can be like, fuck. Yeah. I want to go see fear like that sentiment rules, you know? And I, I wish that there was like some common bond, like some more common bonds like that. Um, Joe, what do you have on this? Well, Lee Bing is certainly a amazing performer. He always was. Um, I don't know if you recently saw he you know he did the um, I don't care about you with uh, 
the anthrax guys recently like COVID time so it's all you know the multi videos but he, you know lee is what 60 something now 70 is he 70 Fuck. yeah I just he, sounds, he, he was like an old so, dude then he sounds so fucking good in this thing you know so um but yeah it, it's it's iconic in in any rec- song off that record, I think, would also pass. It's one of those records that's just pretty good, solid through and through. So, um, but yeah, I think this is my favorite one as well, Daniel. So you chose you chose right. Nice. Is it a seven inch version or LP version? Because this came out on a seven inch in 1978, before you know, four years before the album. Well, you know, I was totally listening to it then, so. <laughs> Go LP so we can get it on the Spotify playlist because there's a fair I, I amount of this shit that's not. I think they're both on Spotify. Okay, sick. I, but I don't know. I think they are, though. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Saw, not- saw Fear 92, one of the first tar- uh, hardcore shows I ever went to. Adolescents played Adolescents played All's Fear at the Hollywood Palladium. It was awesome. Sick. Yeah. I've seen them a bunch, but in San Diego... It's always a, a rough time going to see him just because who they bring out. Rough, yeah. t- rough time because Daniel's going to rough you up in the pit. Um, that's right. All right. My number four. Chuck full of puke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, my number four. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Offspring. <laughs> that our new Orange, Orange County, right? Yeah, they're off limits. You're going, yeah, 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 yeah. In my brain, that's what's always going on. Uh, I'm going, I'm going youth brigade sing with California. Um, there are three songs that are undisputedly the greatest circle pit songs of all time. One is Pennywise covering Stand By Me, one is Retaliate the Nard Way, and the number one is youth brigade sing with California. Um, this fucking song. You know, starting slow, it's like there's some songs that are so good and iconic, like it brings up imagery in your head. And when this song starts, I just picture people walking in a pit, you know, and it's at least 20 dudes thick, you know, and it's just like you're just walking slow and it's like, oh, we're singing along and it's fucking unity. And then it's like it kicks in. You know, well, first off, there's like the cutout part, right? Where everyone's singing, and we'll sing with California. You know, and I saw them this year, like right before COVID hit, and it's still fucking great, you know? And you're doing it, you're singing that part, and then like that guitar kicks, and you know shit's going down. So it's like all the motherfuckers that were walking, now we slamming, you know? And it is what it is, <laughs> and this fucking shit. It's so iconic and good, and it's it. It's on my list. It's number four. It's Youth Brigade, Single California, off the Sound and Fury LP, BYO Records, motherfucker. Wish it was on Spotify for all you guys, um, but you know, Sean's a down-ass dude, and he probably has his reasons, so uh, no judgment there, but uh, have we done Youth Brigade, or is there anything else you guys want to add on this? just want to throw one little thing out uh you know they they had stopped playing for a little bit uh and then they did the comeback 
um, shows with Seven Seconds and uh, Bouncing Souls. And I bought, I, I brought my, my Sound and Fury record with me. Uh, and then I bought a whole bunch of other merch. And then I found each of the band members and actually asked them, and I never fucking do this, but this was so important to me because, because of, you know, that song you, you mentioned and then, and then the song I picked. Uh, so I get them all to, to autograph the, my old record and they did it. Um, but Sean's Sean's Sean just wrote on there. He's all buy some new shit. Uh, that's it. That's my story. That's very Sean. But he didn't know that I had just bought all this other crap already. So <laughs> it was, it, I I thought it was funny. Hey, don't judge an episode one by its cover, Sean. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, and I will say, like, uh, they did a, another good documentary um, on BYO Records. Yeah, let them know. Yeah, let them know. Super good. It's an incredible doc. It's so good. But you know what's wild is I love the U38 LP to sell the truth. And they just skipped it, <laughs> which is <laughs> fucking wild. Like, if you're a band and, like, you start in the beginning of the 80s and then in the 90s, like the mid 90s, you put out another album that is so fucking good. Like, who does that? Like, puts out an LP that good 15 years after, like, your first album. You know, and then you do a documentary about it and you just skip it. Like, did you guys realize you pulled off something that no one else does? Like, it's pretty amazing. Like, you wrote one of the best albums, like, 15 years later. Like, I don't know. Give yourself some dap, you know, but it just got skipped. So I was like, ah, what the fuck? (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's go to Bedge for his number four. Number four, I'm going with. No God by the Germs. This is on their Lexicon Devil 7-inch slash slash records number one. I love the, um, well, first of all, like my my, my friend is writing a book. Of course, he's been writing this book for like 25 years. David Jones, shout out. He he is talking about uh, in the book. He sent me the, the chapter today, actually. I read it about how, in his opinion, this is the first hardcore song that made it onto a record. Because uh, this came out in like I don't know spring of '78 or something like that, uh, but uh, it's got that great like Pet Smear doing the beginning of Roundabout by the band Yes, and then it's like Psych, like you thought this was gonna be a Yes song, Psych, and then it's just hardcore. And like I always thought, like he's making fun of the band Yes, and like you know Yes is like the antithesis of punk. There's this prog band with songs that are way too long and you know shrill vocals and not the case at all pat was a huge fan of yes and um and when my friend interviewed pat he he broke it down and was like he was like i pat hated traditional 50s style rock and roll songs which is the kind of the basis for most punk music at the time you know 70s punk is really sped up 50s rock and roll and he said Darby would write songs like that. And I'd be like, fuck that. I'm going to change the chords and make it sound weird. Like, I don't want to write like one, four, five, like Chuck Berry sounding shit. I want to make songs that sound fucked up. And so it's strange to think that like, yes, was an influence on like one of the first hardcore bands. Cause it's like, what is, what a, a huge mental leap you'd have to take to connect those two. And then the other funny thing about this record is that, Pat never had his own equipment, even though he's like one of the greatest guitarists. 
you just would borrow other people's shit. Um, and, yeah, totally. And so he goes to the he goes to the studio and he's like, "What? There's no amp." And then the engineer's like, "Well, we're just gonna have to plug you in direct." So so this is there's no guitar amp on this record. He's plugged directly into the board, which you know doesn't give you a very great guitar tone, but somehow this record sounds fucking perfect. Like I wouldn't change a thing. And also the drum beat on this song isn't standard either. It's kind of got this like there's some there's like a heaviness to it. Um, and then of course the lyrics are great too. It's like, you know, it's a great atheist theme song, which was a huge influence on bad religion. Yeah. I just want to apologize to the Barry family. Uh, Chuck's music was not shit. Um, but okay. Anything else on this? Oh, and the germs and, and the germs covered Chuck Berry. They covered round and round. So only a, so, a badge calls Chuck's music shit. No. Uh, I'm just playing. <laughs> You're like, you want to... <laughs> whatever. How dare you? How dare you? Um, sick. Love the two drum songs got on here. And especially Bedge going for a seven inch, dude. Love it. Joe, let's go to your number four. Okay. So my fourth pick, I am going with Nausea from X off Los Angeles. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, you know, seeing Decline for the first time and, like, the way that they, you know, like, kind of wrap that song into the intro, uh, you know, and they do the stop motion with the slam dancers and, like, all that. I was just, like, blown away, like, oh, my God, what is this? You know? <laughs> um, and, and then the song continues on, and you, you see them playing playing on stage, um, and, and, and then you hear you know, Exene starts singing. So there's a girl singer like, wait a minute, what? What's this? You know? Um, this is, this is, <laughs> so as a little kid that, that it just, it just shocked me. Like I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that that's what this was going to be because everything I had, that I had led up to that point was this, you know, uh, not machismo, but, but, but certainly boys club, you know, um, uh, sort of society that punk rock that I thought punk rock was granted I'm 13 years old at this time you know so uh, or 14 maybe but um, so it was it was it was really nice to just to to see that and the song just fucking rips it's so good you know that you know like that fucking that's so good so good still to this day (laughs) like you know um, it just amps me Um, and then you know, and then you hear, uh, you know, John Doe and Nixine's voice like together, like it's just, it's it's perfect, you know. Um, now maybe not on that live version, but on on the actual record, the one the one drawback, um, you know, it's a drug song, so that that kind of bugs me. Now, back then, it didn't so much, but you know, whatever, it's still a fucking great song. So, Joe, you were 13 or 14 in, in 1979? No, no, no. When, <laughs> when he watched Decline. When I, when, 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 I, when I first saw Decline. I know, I know. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just ribbing you. As the what year did Decline come the out, anyway? 81. Yeah, so, yeah. I probably saw it in 83, I'm going to say. Oof. Old school. Old. That is old school. Some episode Respect. one shit, dude. Well, because yeah. it was on, they would they would put it on public access too. So it was on like whatever the public access channel was here in in Oxnard. 
yeah, it was like NPR. Please donate to the local NPR yeah. station because we support Penelope Spheris. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. I'm glad to get Exxon yeah. here. I think they're a, yeah. they're a band that should get called out in this pod. Um, ben, do you have anything yeah, on did, this? Oh, sorry, Joe. Go oh, on. No, I was just going to say, I didn't choose. I, I wanted to choose an X song. This one's my favorite. Um, Los Angeles almost made it. And I just thought that would be a little bit too on the nose for, you know, choosing the Los Angeles or the Los Angeles. Yeah. So, but, but this song's better anyway, in, in my opinion. So. You got to oh, choose your favorite. Got to choose your favorite. Don't don't be like Bedge on uh, the Rev episode. <laughs> you should have chose. Uh-huh. You should have chose six and then went GB to be true to yourself, dude. That's all I gotta say. But uh, well, it's too late now. The damage has been done. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, all right, Daniel, number five. Hey, I didn't get to talk about nausea. Oh, sorry, Bedge. Talk about nausea, please. I just I love the uh, the moment in when you see, when you're watching decline and they're playing this song and Darby crash looks at the screen and then it freezes. I like, that's the first thing I think of when I think of this song is Darby crash looking at the camera and then it freezes on him, And it's like, damn, he looks cool. Like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> X is great. Every X is one of those bands where you like, I don't think they play bad shows. Like it doesn't matter what decade you see this band play live in. They're going to be really, really good. And, and unless, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you've seen X not be very good before, but I've seen them three or four times and they're always great. No, Dickies is another band like that. They're just always good. Yeah, I've heard that Dickies are still amazing. Uh, I, I saw X play Billios, I believe. Joe, were you there? Yep. Yeah, and it's like they were fucking sick. I mean, that's a small room. They were fucking sick. Um, Daniel, number five. I have a, Well, I have a confession on X. I'm not a big fan. Like I don't like Xine's voice at all. Um, there's but- gotta, there's got to be one male sexist pig on this. Fucking <laughs> <pod>. <laughs> um, but I absolutely uh, agree with the the way it's filmed with the intro, like on decline. Yeah. It's it's epic. But um, all right, my number five. Well, real quick. Daniel, let me just jump in. Like, it's so rad because, you know, some movies choose like to take songs and some like have a score, you know? Yeah. And I think that that intro is like almost like a molding of the two. Like she chose like a perfect song for that intro that like, it's almost like it is a score. Like you couldn't have someone like write a better song for that intro. It is so fucking perfect. And with like the freezing, like we've talked about, like, Oh, it just doesn't get any better. But uh, yeah, number five, Daniel. Yeah. Um, okay. So five. Okay. All right. Now, do I choose Deny Everything or do I choose Wild in the Streets? <sighs> I'm, <laughs> even though, like as Ben says, um, Wild in the Streets is a cover, I just think it's perfect the way it's recorded i'm going with wild in the streets yeah um i love that the you know the wow wow part and then in the heat of the summer it goes so poppy on the verses and then back it okay so when we talk about like just punk 
and then there's new wave and there's hardcore. This song is kind of like all three in one go. <laughs> you know, the way that the run it, run it, like it, it's very new wave, yeah. uh, the way that it's done. And I don't know. I, I just really, uh, I really love this. I love the song. Like, and you know, it's the title track off their epic record. And, um, first time. Okay. So I'm moved here to America and I saw Circle Jerks on Unwritten Law at the old, old, old Soma. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I'm excited to see Circle Jerks. And that's my first taste of seeing like San Diego as, you know, the way Henry Rollins, et cetera, uh, describe it in all of their things of just like so many Nazis and stuff. And looking down, because it was a two-tiered uh, venue back then. Actually, it was three tiers because they had a dungeon. Uh, they had a um, like a basement dungeon where other shows went on. Um, but I was on the top floor looking down and just seeing like 50-plus dudes Z Kyling. And uh, I remember Keith Morris going, hey, if you didn't know, you lost the war. Yes. <laughs> like, uh-huh. clowning them. It was fucking cool. Um, but that's the, you know, the time that I just knew the song was just so fucking rad because the circle pit that started when this went was like decline levels or actually another state of mind levels of participation like eight lanes wide (laughs) and um yeah i love this song how hard did you slam when you uh came down to the first floor and i was scared and unwritten law played crazy poway kids (laughs) (laughs) that's that was the thing because unwritten law you know a pretty damn poppy uh back then very big bad religion copycats but to hear all these like poppy and almost like love songs uh, but and to hear CPK, but just to see the amount of Nazis they brought, to see them because that's who the majority of the boneheads were there for was unwritten law because they're from Poway and that shit was going on out in suburbia. Yeah, I mean Ugh. it's it's crazy thinking back on like those times because you know some of the gnarliest dudes I've ever like seen in a circle pit was like to face to face, you know, yeah, it's like, exactly. how yeah. are these fucking brutes like digging on this, you know? And it's, it's wild that like that element just kind of went away when like a lot of music got harder, you know? And it's like, man, they were here when like, it was like the easy on the ears music, <laughs> you know, like what would, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's just wild. It's wild to think about. Yeah. Why are why are there so many Nazis in San Diego? It's right next to Mexico. You know what I mean? It's like, what are you doing there? Beach cities, man. Beach cities breed fucking Nazis. I know many of them have already gone to jail and come out. Well you you have you also have the military bases. You have the convergence of yeah, military, so people that come here. And yep. get out, and they're like, "Oh, this is a great city. I'm just gonna stay here." So you know, you have people from yeah. all over. Also, people 
you know, coming for college. There's lots of colleges. But then you also have the convergence of beach culture as well as like, you know, that East County yeah. culture, like the desert yep. culture meeting, like the beach culture, because both are so close together, you know? And while, yeah, we're so close to Mexico, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I love it here so much, um, that can also like breed a little bit of the hate for the people that are like just separated enough away from oh, yeah. it. Like, like how we're talking about in Poway, like, you know, they're, they have their nice, like pretty suburb and, you know, and they don't associate with like, it's not multicultural by any means. Um, you know, at least at the time, maybe, you know, Escondido is pretty multicultural, but, but, uh, I mean, all of San Diego is, but the, the people that are participating in this are actually rallying against the multicultural and they're also just trying to get an identity and, you know, some older dickhead has shown them that this is cool, but it's not, you know? Yeah. Fuck um, power. But you know, I mean, I mean, surf Nazis are a thing, you know, like you should, you guys should know up in Oxnard too. Yeah. But it's also got a lot to do with money and people blame. with money and people without money. Yeah. Blaming. And, blaming. and, and it is post post jail as well. A lot of it, you know, yeah, well, uh, Wild in the Street is a fucking ripping tune. Yeah. And, so which uh, version? Uh, LP. LP, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel keeps getting the question, but you know the answer. It's the LP version, motherfucker. Well, um, I'm just curious because, you know, the, uh, the, um, the, the version that's on um, uh, Rodney on the Rock is pretty, pretty damn good, too. So. Oh, yeah. That's missing a third verse. A third, yeah, the third verse is, isn't yeah. there. There's only one Rodney on the Rock cup. song that I'm picking, and that's uh, Clean Cut American Kid, but not for this episode. Um, but this first, <laughs> think about this first Rodney on the Rock comp, though. It comes out in 1980, and you get the first thing, I believe, ever by Agent Orange, which is Bloodstains, their best song. You get the first thing ever by the Adolescents that comes out, which is Amoeba, like the song they're known for. Jeez. And you get, I think, the first thing ever by the Circle Jerks on a record. Unless, whatever, I don't know the order if group sex came out first, but I don't think it did. Wild in the Streets. It's like, and then you get Black Flag and like Clan and UXA. It's just like, I can't believe this is all on one record. Like, God damn, that's perfect. The American John Peel. I'm still going, uh, yep. I'm still going volume three. Clean Cut American Kid. All right. My number five pick is Depression. And the version I'm taking is off Everything Went Black, 1982, because I want that Chavo version. His fucking notes he hits on there, depression got a hold on me, is the best. I absolutely the leaving tribute. Yeah, dude. People puking everywhere. Love it. <laughs> so this is my favorite version of a song by a one of my favorite bands ever, you know? And yeah. I like this stuff on everything went black. I love jealous again. Chavo's my favorite recorded singer. Um, although nervous breakdown. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Still. I'm, I think I'm still going Chavo for his like output of recorded material. Um, and yeah, just this version of depression. It gets me every time, uh, you know, we can't avoid circling back to uh, decline. You know, he's a dude on it and they play the song and it's, 
just something like, oh my God, I wish I was there, you know? But uh, yeah, this is my choice. Depression off Everything Went Black, 1982, that Chavo version. Uh, how do you, who, let's go through and uh, who's everyone's, <clears throat> I want to know your favorite singer and your favorite Black Flag record. Daniel, let's go to you. Keith, Nervous Breakdown, 7 Inch. Ben, let's go to you. Ron Reyes, Jealous Again, 12 Inch. And Joe, let's go to you. Henry, My War. Ooh. All right. Cool. Henry, Loosen Up. Psych? <laughs> <laughs> they're good songs on that record. <laughs> I'm going Blast there Power. Are, of, I mean, I think there are. I'm going Blast Power of Expression. Um, Actually, I'm going Greg Ginn, What the... <laughs> the, uh, well, that's Ron Reyes. That's Ron Reyes. <laughs> that's actually a good. There's a good song on that album. I swear to you, there's one good song on that album. Okay, it's well, the chase. The chase. Okay, I just boy for the artwork. The live tracks the, from the artwork the, is so sick. Okay, <laughs> right. live tracks from the Cat Rescue concert. Ooh, terrible! Um, I was there. So bad. <laughs> All right, I want to include on when we put out the playlist of this uh, episode. Let's put the good Black Flag song from that record as the bonus track, Ben. So remember that, and let's put it on at the end if it's available on Spotify. Um, because I think that's cool. I want to know that song, and I want to listen to it later. But uh, okay, yeah, and, and what we're gonna do with the the listeners are gonna vote on our lists, right? That's right. So the list the listener that. Um, votes for so the listeners vote for the winner. The winner then gets to choose what other member of this pod gets the what the album cover tattooed on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Oh no. But yeah, just just so everyone knows, uh, there is a playlist for every single podcast. So all you gotta oh, yeah. do is go to 185milesouth.com/slash/playlists, or just go to 185milesouth.com and click that playlist button. And uh, you can listen to the playlist for any podcast. Uh, they're always up there. And let's go to Ben for your number five. There's nothing more that you can leave behind, so forget about seeing Get Into the Blind. Everything looks better when the wool is black, so grab a fork, make your first attack. Lights out by the Angry Samoans. That is, this was my thing, the, my call and response pick that I alluded to earlier. All right. Where you, right. Have, you have Greg Turner and Mike Saunders going back and forth with the lyrics on the um, verses and it's really just a, they're just singing over a drum beat with like guitar stabs, like once per measure. So it's like almost like an acapella thing. And then when it breaks into the chorus, it's like the full band kicks in and it's just so perfect. And it's so, it's just like, okay, when I got into punk, I tell people I, I like punk music and then people who didn't understand it, they'd be like, Oh yeah. Like, all those songs are about like, you know, like kill your mother, kill your father, poke your eyes out. Like, and it's like, this is like, you could play this song and be like, you're right. That is what punk's about. And it fucking rules. The song's awesome. Like it is about poking your eyes out. Like literally nothing, but, but that, that's the topic of the song. Yeah. And, and like, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say like this one song alone, like bodies, entire scenes and eras, like there, there, there are multiple, like us states who have never, like their entire scenes combined aren't, don't equal to this one song. Anyway, what were you going to say, Zach? I was just going to say like, and then you go, Oh, do you want another one? 
and then you play them, they save Hitler's cock. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's like I saw your mommy and your mommy's dead suicidal. Like, like give them what they want. There's a song by the Vibrators called Destroy. And it, there's like a lyric about like kill your mother. And it's like, perfect. There actually are songs that like meet the stereotype and they're, and they're still good. But Angry Samoans is great. They have like, like Mike Saunders, I think he's on the spectrum. Like if you ever talk to him, he's got, he's a very strange man. And, and he's a little bit older. He's probably like 10 years older than, than a lot of the people from this, you know, era of the scene. And he was a writer for Cream Magazine. And so he kind of, he knew, my dad and friends of his and, and they really got a kick out of like, uh, angry Samoans when they came out. Like there's this layer of like, you're, you, you've been, you were around for psychedelic music in the sixties punk comes along. So you kind of see it from further away. If that makes any sense. Like you have a broader understanding of where like punk and hardcore fits into like the continuum of rock and roll music. Like, as opposed to like a 15 year old kid in 1982 who just wants to slam dance. Like, and, and I, I, I love that angry Samoans have that perspective. I mean, it, it's subtle, but there, there, there are elements of psychedelia. They kind of come out later on in later records, but like just really humorous band with really good catchy songs. And they have like total meathead fans who like don't get, like, they don't understand like the layers of humor in the music, but whatever. Well, you don't come up with they saved Hitler's cock if you're sober. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know the story behind the writing of that. Yeah, Joe, what do you have on this? Or not? Sorry, I was away from my mic. It's cool. Uh, um, yeah, I don't got a whole lot to say about Angry Samoans. I mean, it's a great song. I just was never that into them. So, Daniel, do you want to touch it's this? Just me. Um, they played not that well, I suppose, a couple of years ago now. Um, and people were fired up to see them still, you know, but it, it brought out a weirder element and then a bunch of young, like young, young kids, you know? Um, yeah, the songs, like you say, like lyrically just putting it out on the table. It, it's a cool, it's a cool track, um, and I think they are a band that um, their name is known more than people have checked out their music in in more recent times. I feel. Yeah, maybe that's true. It doesn't it doesn't help that they're not on Spotify or that the good stuff isn't on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of that. We're gonna run into that when we make the uh, the Spotify playlist, but. That's cool. Everyone can look it up. You know, this, uh, this is a podcast for, for low-key intellectuals. How about that? Joe, let's go to you for your number five. Number five. Um, I'm going Pretty Please Me from the Dickies. Yeah. Stukas uh, over Disneyland. Now, Dickies are my, I'm not going to say guilty pleasure. I absolutely adore this band. Um, I always have. Um, you know, Burning Dog. Had, had the fortune to play with them once. Um, it was the best night of my life. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a great band. But the song, you know, it's super poppy as, as they were at this time. 
Um, you know, I have uh, demo versions of this too before the the keyboardist died. Um, that that have some really cool stuff going on in it too. But uh, yeah, pretty pleased me, the Dickies. Glad they're on the list, and I believe it's the first time that a song has been picked off the third LP of a band. How about that? Um, ben, do you have anything on the Dickies? Oh, suffer the third LP. Oh yeah, no, suffer second LP, dude. Third, bro, into the unknown. Come oh, on, shit. yeah, <laughs> shit. Oh, you got me. You got me, Ben. What do you have on the Dickies? Uh, Pretty Please Me is a cover by the band The Quick, uh, which were an LA band that were kind of like late glam or like too too late for glam, too early for punk. And um, I want to say that the w- the main guy in The Quick also wrote other songs for the Dickies. It's weird, like a ghostwriter. Oh, not a ghostwriter because he has credit. I'm looking. Uh, he even he co-wrote a bunch of stuff on this album too. It's I don't. There's something. I've someone broke it down for me the relation between the quick and the Dickies but the Dickies I love uh, they're another one of those bands I mentioned earlier that like it doesn't matter what decade you see them in it doesn't matter it's only the singer and the guitarist who are consistent members so it doesn't even matter who the rhythm section is they're gonna be good they're gonna play the songs the way the way they should be played yeah why have you ever seen a bad Dickies show I never have I have not but yeah I just want Um, want to I just want to shout out to the current bass player and drummer you do matter (laughs) <laughs> and the other guitarist yeah and the keyboardist oh yeah a lot of people that they that you know there's got to be a standard that they meet you know for, for them to be good regardless of who else is in the band shout out, uh, shout out, to, the, the, shout out to the dickies roadie sorry go on and, <laughs> and the, the dickies um were the band uh my band bad Brad bad reaction was listening to when we were driving to play a show with ill repute in Oxnard in 2008 when we drove down the Camarillo grade and my car blew a tire and we uh, rolled like two or three times and hit the median and like my car was completely destroyed and I had, I was bleeding out of the top of my head, but it was the Dickies we were listening to. (laughs) It wasn't this album. That was the first one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we made it to the show though we we, we played after ill repute and everyone left <laughs> nard curse nard curse we were cursed yeah, la curse okay let's go to daniel for your number six well i was gonna pick um see i was i was weighing up these two in didn't know which one to go with but since the dickies just got some shine. I was going to do Give It Back by the Dickies. Um, but I am going to go a slightly different direction and something a little bit more, I won't say quirky because they're a fucking powerhouse, but uh, something a little bit different than everything that's been picked so far. And I'm going to go with Linda Blair by Red Cross. Yeah. I mean... What I love about the way Red Cross sound like is it is almost like the punk and noisy version of Velvet Underground almost. Yep. yep. You know, they've got like a total like Americana Velvet Underground like 
you know, like alternative Americana, not like Willie Nelson or anything. Um, sound to them, but they also sound a bit like the Saints. And uh, then they've got the really noisy, like just aggressive things that like birth like a Sonic Youth or something later on, you know, all mixed in the one band. Um, and I'm not a sexist pig because they are <laughs> featuring awesome female musicians. And um, I don't know, like, this song is so cool and it's referencing, you know, the actress who played uh, the lead in The Exorcist and it's talking about her in that. And then, you know, um, what is that in the background? <laughs> <laughs> I just heard some music in the background. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, this is a, this is an absolute banger of a song, and if you haven't heard it, check it out. Starts out really noisy and almost like, um, in a strange way, like atonal. Like it, it's challenging <laughs> noise at the beginning, and then it goes into really cool. Like that's the that's the best way to describe it. It's really cool. Like the song is cool. The it's catchy and it's really great. Check it out. Yeah, you know, speaking of The Exorcist, uh, Ben is the only person on Earth that likes the newer version of the Negative Approach 7-inch cover. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Ben can get that tattooed at the same time he gets the What the (laughs) album tattooed. Yeah, no, this is a great pick. Again, a band that I'm stoked to to get on the list. I think that we're, we're doing a good job late of spreading it out a little bit. Um but I'm not going to go in that direction to spread things. Uh, I got two cannon bands. I got to take one of each. And Daniel, I don't know if I've told you lately, but you'll always be my Kabuki girl. I'm going descendants <laughs> Kabuki girl off uh, the first LP and man bike age is the perfect song, but this one is so driving and good. It's the way it starts and kicks in. And it's like, how can you do something? So like, raw punk sounding yet so melodically sensible you know it's just fucking perfect song i love it i had to have the descendants on here um there's other stuff i wanted to pick but i didn't want to try to get too cute i would be lying to myself if i didn't have a descendant song or a suicidal tendency song which i'm going to choose next and uh yeah had to have it this is my choice and we've talked descendants enough that we can go on to ben for his Number six. All right. I'm going. Uh, this is as, as obscure as I'll, I'll get in this uh, exercise, which is not even that obscure if you are a fan of the Danger House Records label. Uh, who, the label put out probably, I don't know, 10 or so singles and maybe two LPs over the course of three years, and everything on that label was good, and all the artwork is incredible. And this is the band Rhino 39 from Long Beach. And the song is Xerox slash No Compromise. There you go. I'm putting two songs that are connected to each other. <laughs> Do it. That's to make up for the, Do I it. just want some skank uh, Beverly Hills mishap. Really. Got it back. Got it back. Um, but I want to say that this is, this might be the first punk band ever from Long Beach, which is, has a Long Beach is, is strong for punk, maybe more bar bar punk. I mean, we're talking about 
40 years later. But um, Rhino 39 has this cool sound where like the music is lightning fast, especially No Compromise. It, when it breaks into No Compromise, it like totally takes off. But the guitar isn't very distorted at all. And the vocals are so casual. He, he's just singing the lyrics and like they're gang backup vocals too, but they're also laid back. And it's like, what a great combination. What a great formula of like, you're just, you're just pounding people with intense speed, but you're also doing it in like a casual way. Like I'm from California and it's like, I wish more <laughs> bands did that. Like it almost makes me want to be like, Oh, I should do this. Like I, there should be, I should put more of this into the world. Like, yeah. but, um, you sounded like the Californians uh, SNL skit just now when yeah. you did yeah. it. Like, down on Kalenga. <laughs> what are you doing here? And then the sad part about this band is the singer died in a car accident like later in the same year that this single came out, 1979. Were and, you listening to the Dickies first tape? Oh my God. Wrong. He might have been. That shit was out already. Yeah. Um, the second one probably was out by then too. Uh, two albums in the same year, but Rhino Thirty Nine like continued on without them, uh, and they put out an album in the eighties that is not very good at all. So if you are want to check out Rhino Thirty Nine, stick to the No Compromise or the Xerox No Compromise Prolixen Stomp Stomp Seven Inch on Danger House. It's like this is one of those things that just doesn't get talked about very much and it's understandable since this is like the only good record they did and they never toured the east coast and like you know like bands that put in work like i guess just des deservingly get remembered more you know bad religion black flag dead candies bands that put out lots of records and were around for like many years but this is like a cult a real cult favorite i kind of wish it was more of even more of a cult favorite well, um, they, the, you say that they didn't make it to the East Coast, but they also probably didn't play that many shows after the record came out, right? If the dude died? Yeah, because the guy, the guy died. Yeah, and I think there was a gap between them, him getting back together. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a, pretty good, that's a pretty good excuse for not playing shows. Like, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead. But, uh... And can, you, and can you imagine being the only, like, the only punk kid kids in your uh, high school because you're, like, the first punk kids ever in your high school like like shit didn't exist until we came along yeah that's wild like i probably got picked on a lot yeah so respect to bedge for getting that twofer and uh let's go to joe for your number yeah. six number six um i was just gonna say reno 39 does have a song on the um hell comes your house comp that's the only song I know from them. That's later. That's after this yeah. guy died. Yeah. yeah. That was the 82, I think, that came out. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. But anyway, sorry. Um, Episode one, dropping Knowledge. <laughs> it's my turn right now? Yeah. Really? Right. Number six, right? Yes. And I just want to say Number bye six. to all the listeners that are tuning out, as Joe thinks. Yeah, okay. Thanks fine. for listening. Yeah. No. <laughs> Number six. Just hit that 15 second ahead thing. I'm going to choose a Descendant song as well. I'm going to go with Camage. Yeah. I just fucking love that song. Um, you know, 
the, the transitions and, uh, you know, Milo's voice is fucking flawless on it and, uh, you know, super heartfelt. Um, yeah, I love it. Descendants of all. Hell yeah. No suburban home. No my age. Mm, nah. That's crazy. I, I'm just, it's just crazy that those songs are being left up. You know what I mean? Like Hope. it's, it's nuts, but Hope hasn't back. been grabbed yet. Um, I mean, you can just, you know, listen to summary and be happy yeah, with, with, you know, the hits. Right. So, which, well, which is great. And there's nothing wrong with those songs, but I like the song better than all those other ones. That's fact, better than all the other songs you guys choose, chose too. So. Oh yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. You gotta choose oh, what's I, true to I, you. I looked up the live live age liveage versus uh, Hall Raker, the two live albums, to see yep. if there there were any duplicate songs. The only duplicate song is the song "All," which is the one second song where they go "All," but other than that, all different tracks. Yep. How I looked about it up and that? I mentioned it already. We'll see if I do the right one. <laughs> yeah. That would have been better right there. <laughs> oh. All right, Daniel, we're to it. Your final pick, number seven. All right. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I got three number sevens. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one could have gone the Dills. You're not blank. Just don't mention these other ones. I could have gone evil. Forty-five grave. Yeah. I could have gone. But you're not the only one going, so don't mention all these other songs. <laughs> we're all done. Oh, man. I just got a verbal slap on the wrist. Okay. Keep going. Name them all. Name them all. <laughs> this is why that pod was three hours long. Yes, but the, also it's because Zach does this move all the time. He talks up one song and then goes, but I'm not going with that. I'm going with this. <laughs> so... I wouldn't be true to LA hardcore in my heart and my experience without having terror on this list. Yeah. And terror is an absolute crushing, amazing band. And I am going with my favorite terror song better off without you from the lowest to the low recording. And let me just tell you, that is fucking hardcore friends like listen to that and it's hardcore um terror have been a band almost 20 years so they definitely belong in the lists of all of this amazing la hardcore that we're describing and celebrating just because something came earlier does not stop the power of something coming later when it is done to perfection and Terra Better Off Without You from Lowest of the Low is pretty much perfect hardcore. Formula's amazing. The recording is amazing. The songwriting is amazing. And I mean, Better <laughs> Yeah. Without you. <laughs> you got to have that, <laughs> you know, yeah. on, the, on that part that you're singing, you know? Yep. Perfect um, part. Yep. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. And we all know this, you know, all the other things we know that these bands probably brought it live and we've seen video and it looks like they do and everything's great. And, and we've seen them in later eras and they still bring it and whatnot. But 
we all fucking know terror bring it <laughs> you know still to this day yep lineup changes etc there's two captains of the ship that make sure that it flows like the essence isn't lost ever so that's my seventh pick rounding out the list bring in a little bit of modernity <laughs> even though the song's like 18 years old now <laughs> yeah I was, gonna, I was gonna say it was it was interesting to get shamed for choosing all old stuff and then you choose on a song 18 years old but uh hey, yeah. yeah it's cool hey i'm not shaming anyone i'm just i'm just saying that stuff that is recorded you know not in this classic like ben says 77 to 83 uh period yeah, I mean, or even up to like 87, you know, stuff that's come after it is, uh, this is cream of the crop for me. Yeah, I agree. I'm, uh, another band that I'm so glad gets on here. Um, yeah, it's fucking terror, dude. You can't say anything about it. It's, you know, one of the greatest hardcore bands of all time. Who's put out some of the best output of all time, you know, like they got eight LPs, dude. What the fuck? And they're doing the yeah. ni- they're doing the ninth one now, and it's gonna be fucking hot. You know, it's like there's no doubt they're gonna put out another album. It's gonna kick ass. Like there's just, yeah. you know, for fast music that doesn't have melody, to do that many albums and have them be like consistently good. Holy fuck! It's just it's, yeah, it's, it's lacking. Really it's lacking melody, but it's not lacking catchiness. He formulates lyrical parts to just really hook you for participation uh as a crowd member you know um and you know we've we've talked about the you know certain bands looking cool and whatnot and terror have just always um made the live experience so cool because scott vogel is one of the greatest front men to do it absolutely um okay what do these two what do these two think of a terror pick being on this i know ben will be critical just because it's not from this era no i don't i mean i actually i like the fact that you know it's not just we're not just talking about the same seven bands (laughs) (laughs) um even though i'm not a terror fan myself uh you know they, they they're from LA. I mean, they formed in LA. That's as much as we can say about the rest of these guys. Youth Brigade are, are three brothers originally from Canada, but doesn't matter. They're an LA band. Yeah, super glad this got on the list. I'm on my number seven. I'm going suicidal. I already blew the surprise, and this is hard. Joe did a great job choosing the first song of the record, first two songs. Um. Uh, if I had to choose, I would choose. I want more because my favorite Ooh. suicidal is how I laugh tomorrow. If I can't even smile today. And like this song gives you like a hint of what's to come. And maybe I like, this is one of my favorite songs on the record, but maybe I like it so much because it is like the hint of to come. Like, I don't know if this album lived by itself, would this be my favorite song alone? without knowing that they like end up doing basically like one of my favorite albums of all time, which like perfects that like 
melodic speed metal with like the greatest solos in the history of earth. Um, but what I want to do, I got to choose one of the, the long songs. I think he did it again. Yep, <laughs> I did it. It's, it's got to be represented because, you know, suicidal is like known for institutionalized known for, I uh, saw your mommy, but the best of the long songs with like the slow parts is subliminal. And that's what I'm going with. I'm going suicidal Tennessee subliminal off a of self-titled record, 1983 frontier records. Fucking this song. They're fucking with me. Subliminally. And then just to go like that style of the slow to the fast, but this, like the lyrics are just so fucking perfect, dude. Like, I don't know. I can't even imagine getting to see this band like this era. When I saw them the first time, it would have been whenever Metallica did that tour, like the live shit binge and purge. I think it was like, I think I was in, it was the summer before eighth grade. So I think it was 93 or 94. And it was sick. They played Cal State Dominguez Hills, Metallica, Suicidal, and Fight, Rob Halford's band. And like, there's like two things I distinctly remember, which was like people like, like the crowd is packed up. It's like a full soccer field of people and people would like drop fireworks. And so like people would kind of like panic and disperse. And then just like a raging circle pit would start. And then like the other thing I remember is just like a fucking bunch of Vatos like yelling out, Hey, play some old shit. You know, I was like, Oh shit. This is fucking <laughs> ill, you know? But uh, yeah, I'm going with subliminal suicidal. This is my pick. I wouldn't feel right. Not having a suicidal song on my list. And I think that this song represents like the best of this, like first incarnation of the band. Um, and Ben, let's go to you for your number seven. Well, I was going to tell the suicidal story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Lisa, yeah. Lisa Fancher who owns frontier records, who put out this record, um, uh, was paid a visit by the FBI in 1983, I suppose when this record came out, because I shot the devil was originally entitled. I shot Reagan and like, you can't like Reagan had already been shot. I mean, he was shot in 81, so he was still president. And, um, when you, when you say, when you say stuff like that, I can't remember how, what, what tipped them off that this thing existed, but, um, that's why the song is called I shot the devil, even though he's singing, I shot Reagan because the original title of the song should be I shot Reagan or was. And so she changed it because the FBI gave her, put heat on her. But I think they, once they came to her house, they realized like these, this person and this band have no intention of like harming the president, you know, they're a punk band, whatever. So, <laughs> so that's the story. Right. But I think that that's just something that they do. Cause I remember like, you know, a handful of years ago, cause Obama was still president. Like one of the UFC fighters like said something, I can't remember if it was an interview or it was just like, he posted online and said something about like killing Obama and like he got a visit. I think it's just like, that's the one thing you don't say, right? Like you don't yell fire in an airport and you don't like say that, you yeah. know, like you might just like someone finds out about it. It's like mandatory visit, you know, like let's check, yeah, let's check probably this like guy a out. Department, right. Department of the FBI. Who's like, all right, we got to visit this person now. Well, what's really interesting about that is that, uh, when rusty metals and broken badges, the seminal, debut LP of Over My Dead Body came out. Yeah. Uh, we got visited by 
the FBI, the CIA, and MI5 for the song Maggie and Ronnie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He ordered that LP on Ian Decision Records. But, uh, yep. yeah. Okay, Ben, let's uh, go to you for your number seven, final pick. All right. My final pick was going to be Forbidden Beat by Bad Religion, but we've talked about Suffer so friggin' much that I'm changing my pick. <laughs> um, although, man, we didn't talk about how great that record cover is with the kid on fire yeah. in the suburbs. Like, how perfect is that? Who hasn't felt like that kid before? So um, good. I should probably get the change- I should probably get the tattoo one day. Maybe oh, I've seen seen that many times. <laughs> A lot. Oh, wait, you want the? Um, so I'm changing my pick to uh, <laughs> "We're Only Gonna Die," which is the first song off the first album. Uh, uh, how could hell be any worse? And you're going my with favorite. The, you're going with the Long Beach Band Sublime's cover of it. Ooh, I saw them do it <laughs> at uh, Warp Tour One in, in in Irvine. Yeah. Um, but the, the, one of the things that is so cool about this song in particular is it's basically like a sped up folk song. Okay. Imagine being by a campfire with an acoustic guitar and just singing this song slowly. Is that actually, is that what Sublime did? I don't even remember what their version is like. Is, is, did they slow it down? I think it's just the song, but like it ends on a reggae part. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, this is not a reggae song. They fucked up, but it is a folk song. Uh, so yeah, it's just like a sped up folk song and then you have this breakdown in the middle and there's fucking piano in it. It's kind of low in the mix, but it, there's like, someone goes, like, you know, hits all 88 keys of the piano going down and then and then starts playing chords on the piano. And it's just this really, and, and the lyrics are the same. It's just the same thing, but slower. But it's just this like perfect, kind of like, if there was like, a documentary about like, and then hardcore happened in LA. Like this should be the song that you hear, you know? Yeah. The only thing that drives me, the only thing that drives me crazy is what you alluded to, which is like, you know, one of the greatest lyricists of all time repeats a verse three times. Oh, but do we know who wrote this song? I don't actually. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Either guy, either guy. He could have wrote two more two more verses. Yeah, yeah. Brett, Brett or Greg both have it in them to write at least a couple more verses. But 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 really, Zach, would you think that would make the song better? Yes, I don't think it would. I think at least huh. one more. Okay. I think I think repeating it the third time drives me a little crazy. But uh, yeah, maybe to do it. I don't know. Yeah, you're right because they do it fat faster and then they do like the slow part and then they do it faster again. Yeah. So, no, it's good. It's good. I, I agree with Ben. I think I think you're thinking of it as a songwriter, but thinking of it as just you know like a song it it's Ramonesy to do that, you know. I don't know. It's great. I think it it does lend to Ben's idea of thinking about it as a folk song. Like then doing yeah. it three times, like that does work. Maybe that's gonna like yeah. soothe it a little more for me. But yeah, around the fire, right? What, yeah, Greg, Greg Graffin wrote it. Okay, um, yeah, sick. Glad the first record got on there, and yeah, I mean it's perfect too because the album cover for a Los Angeles podcast. I mean, that's fucking canon L.A. Right. So that's Hollywood. Yep. Edward Culver took it, took that photo. Yeah. So cool. 
Um, well, I think well the image we should use uh, for this thing is all the boots with the bandanas around them. <laughs> Another Ed Culver uh, original. Boom. Boom. All right. Well, that's sick. Uh, love your pick. And Joe, let's go to your final pick. 1986. He's going Rain Blood. No, I'm not really going to choose Rain Blood. But... <laughs> no. Uh, possessions never meant anything to me. I'm not crazy. Well, that's not true. I had a guitar and a dog named Bob. Pisses on my floor. That's right. I got a floor. So what? So what? So what? Yeah. Linoleum. Yes. No yes. It made it. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love this goddamn song. Hell yeah. You know, I don't know if they're in San Francisco already living up there or not by this time. This is what, eight, uh, 94, I think. Yeah, they are. They got to be at this but, point. But Discogs says. Los Angeles, California-based punk band. So I'm yeah. going with that. So, hey, I'm 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 all for gray area, Joe. Yeah, I'll allow it. I'll <laughs> allow it. If we if we allowed uh, Benji to pick Skid Row as his California hardcore band, <laughs> then we'll, we'll allow No Effects to be LA. So plus this yeah. fucking linoleum, stoked to get on, dude. So good. So yeah. Good. Yep. It's the perfect modern punk recording for the nineties. You know, it's that Ryan green fucking magic. Like when you mix speed metal with fucking bad religion, you know, you get this It's something, something special. And, uh, and also, you know, have you ever heard that album, uh, Rusty Metals and Broken Badges. The singer kind of sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So. Shout out Fat Mike. Shout out Fat Dan. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dan's better, uh, Dan's better dressed. We'll give him that for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, one thing I will say, the break on this song so cool, so catchy. Yeah, sporting a pocket full of change. Yeah, to like strip it all away like that because this is yeah. like the most powerful sounding new school punk rock recording to like, and just to hang on the notes like they don't do the chord progression very fast. They just hang on it while they're doing the do da da do da da do da da do da da, and then shout out, and then to strip it all the way out. And to just go to like the one guitar with the singing. I mean, this is yeah. new school canon. Like, that's it. Yeah, this is exactly, you know, it's like Mount Rushmore is just four linoleums, you know? <laughs> it's fucking sick. And then, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, definitely. Maybe three linoleums and one Lori Myers. But, uh, yeah. What about sticking it in your eye? Isn't that one of your tracks? I mean, it has um, honorable mention. <laughs> Um, I think these are going to be really interesting lists for the listeners to vote on. Um, and we really want to say thank you to all the listeners that did vote last time and, and put in their opinion of what songs we missed and on the rev pod. So, uh, it'll be really interesting when we put these up and see who everyone likes, but not going to lie. I think my list is 
quite strong this time. Yeah, I get have linoleum. Yeah, I get stoked on like the Instagram when like someone writes out a full paragraph. You know, like yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm down they, for they, I'm they down for the vote. Yeah. I love the participation period. So please vote. But uh, I love when like someone is like impassioned enough to like write out like a paragraph because. Like, I don't know if someone has a hack that they're on Instagram, like on their computer, but like I'm on my phone and I hate to like write out long shit on my phone, you know? So it's like when you see a paragraph on Instagram, I'm like, fuck, dude, that dude meant it, you know, respect. So I love that shit. Well, yeah, well, they were so passionate about it. They're probably written in like 45 seconds, you know, they're just like, you forgot this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Should we shout out stuff we didn't mention just like really quickly, just names, not go into each band, but just a bunch of band names that are important that for LA punk and hardcore. Yeah. Ben, you got 30 seconds. <laughs> go. Bags, 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 alley cats, eyes, controllers, chaos, skulls, shock, gears, gun club, grim, F word, Rick L. Rick, simple tones, clam, screamers, chiefs, urinals, Minutemen, deadbeats, randoms, black Randy, the plugs, the laughs, the dogs, the silencers, legal weapon, and circle one. Yeah, that's that bed <laughs> that show you yeah. tune in for. That's a good list. Yeah, love um, it. I'm going to say the I, Joneses too. All right, shout out the Joneses, Daniel. I was very close to having uh, a carry on song on here. Uh, we but s- they did. Uh, and they didn't quite make it. And Wasted Youth fuck, fuck Authority didn't get picked. Like, it was... Oh, yeah, Wasted Youth. Absolutely. It was there Middle for me. Middle class, out of vogue. Yeah. No, they're from Orange County. Ooh. Boom. Ooh. So, yeah. We'll do the, the Orange County one. They're not playing. Dills are from Carlsbad. Yep. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, thought they, li- I thought they were playing out of L.A., though. That was They a- were. That's where the scene was. That, okay. that was my what the fuck when I was, like, doing this. I was like, what well, the fuck? San Diego, the deals man. are from Carlsbad? I know. I know. It's mind-blowing. But, but then they, they, moved, that, they moved to San Francisco, which makes things even more confusing. And then they put yeah. out a 7-inch with the Canadian flag on it, which makes it even more confusing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So everyone, we're, uh, Daniel, will post the list. And uh, please vote on Instagram and maybe on Facebook, but more so on Instagram. Facebook just gets kind of confusing. And uh, it's a terrible platform. And social media ruins your brain. Like – we got to move away from that. Like, let's just look at cat photos and food, like the things that bring us together. You know, I feel like Facebook tears us apart a little bit and Instagram is like animals and fucking food. That's stuff we can. An LA hardcore list. Yeah. An LA hardcore list. Like that's the shit we all love. That's the stuff that can bring us together, you know? Yeah. So make Too it bad Facebook owns Instagram. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So whatever. <laughs> Again, don't come to me for facts <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Love you. Hope you enjoyed the pod. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Bedge. Thank you, Daniel. And uh, yeah. we'll get you on Thank next you, time. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir.